Before we try to analyze chapter three of Genesis, the obvious statement uh, that we can make, which covers every aspect and area of life, even church life, is the fact that even in the most idyllic circumstances, you can never ever predict what is going to take place. I'm reminded uh, of the quotation of C.S. Lewis, every day we are becoming a creature of splendid glory or one of unthinkable horror. At the commencement of a new year, we automatically gravitate to the book of Genesis and read with interest the account of the beginning of all things. As told in the Old Testament, the biblical account of creation still uh, fascinates the majority of people. David Attenborough's knowledge and interest of our planet is of great importance even in 2021. The coming into existence of light and uh, sky, earth and seas, vegetation, plants, trees and, and animals, the sun and the moon, and by no means uh, least man. And uh, the question that people still ask, even in our scientific day, is how on earth did it all take place? Who can solve the mystery of the human race? To return then to Genesis' account of the origins of life and the creation of these things has many, many advantages, even if they are frequently coloured uh, by various opinions and thoughts of man. However, these facts are well worth considering, especially as we are only now in the first month of the new year, January. I know it's uh, the last day, but we're still in the first month of uh, the new year, 2021. I guess everyone listening at this moment can immediately identify with the two words before and after. We can empathize with these two words in one way or another. Um, for instance, before we were married, uh, before we had children, before and after we moved to Abergavenny. I mean, given these simple, simplistic examples, uh, we must take on board as we read God's word, the Bible is a, in a completely different uh, area uh, to our own finite world and, and minds because the bible uh, has to deal with before we were born and the bible deals with the fact that what's going to happen after we are dead so the bible has many things to say about a lot before we will place in our left hand the word this word before and uh, place in our right word this after um, I want to give you a little illustration. I remember some years ago driving home from work and thinking about my uh, new kitchen that I was fit in. I was um, just passing the showrooms in Robert Price in Abergavenny and uh, I thought in my mind, oh, I wonder what kitchens are on display uh, in Robert Price's. And momentarily, Looking, uh, the car in front of me suddenly stopped, which, of course, I was looking in the showrooms. 
and uh, I went straight, I drove straight into the back of the, uh, the, the chap in front of me and uh, who had suddenly stopped for, I forget what reason he had stopped. Before the accident, not a care in the world. Only the thought of getting on with my finished new kitchen. After the accident, full of anxiety, remorse and regret, my spirit was completely changed. And uh, analysing life, uh, we are conscious of the various scenarios of life, aren't we, as we progress through life, if we are completely honest with ourselves. A wrong decision ends up in catastrophe. A hasty word, it uh, changes a relationship. Selfish motives, sometimes they bring about calamities in relationships, don't they? Selfish motives do. Impulses out of control. I remember uh, hearing a famous sermon by Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones how the, the world is out of control. And um, as human beings, as individuals, we can say that uh, we are out of control and uh, we need some authority, don't we? We need some tremendous force and power to control these lives of ours with all their strengths and, and very often potential weaknesses. I'm sure you can add to your own personal uh, circumstances and, and experiences the befores and afters of life. And if we are true and if we are honest, we try and forget and uh, put them in the back burner of our minds and try and uh, forget about them. In the first three chapters of Genesis, we have maybe the most highlighted before and afters of all time, resulting in the greatest chasm and change of circumstances that have ever existed in the history of the entire world. Genesis 1, and verse number one brings to our attention that God created the heavens and the earth. Light entered into the darkness. Sky came into existence. The earth and the seas were created. Vegetation, plants and trees were produced. Lights governing and controlling everything by the power of the sun and the moon. The fish and the birds filled the new creation. The land was filled with animals. And then finally, man in the image of God was created. As you read the second chapter of Genesis, the picture painted is one of something beautiful, lush, and full of peace and tranquility and it's well worthwhile us stopping at this point to read something of chapter 2 of Genesis. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east of Eden and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground 
trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there it was separated into the four headwaters. The name of the first is the Pishon. It winds through the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. Aromatic resin and onyx also were there. The name of the second ribbon is the Gihon. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs along the east side of Asher. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. After the creation came the, the simple commands of God. In Genesis 8 verse 15 we read, And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from the tree, any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. And so we see that before chapter 3 of Genesis, the atmosphere spelt completeness, harmony, wholeness. The taste of heaven seemed to be there. It heaven seemed to be resting there in the garden. Life seemed perfect. Having said that, the, the laws, the conditions, the commands of God for that environment to continue were clearly explained and mapped out and spoken to Adam. Uh, but the problem is there is something intrinsically wrong with the human race, isn't it? Uh, the, the man Job in Job chapter 5, 5 verse 7 says, The problem is that man is born to trouble as surely as the sparks fly up. And we find ourselves in trouble in even in that newly created system and organization. We find ourselves coming to chapter 3 and verse 6 of Genesis, having this described this wonderful place that they were placed. And uh, there it says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gives some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And unfortunately, after making his crucial mistake, they were in a position where they they couldn't really turn the clocks back and try again. Well, we made an error, but we'll try all over again. And the fact that we become intensely aware of our mistakes happened to Adam and to Eve. Genesis 3 verse 7 says this, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig 
leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Life in the old saying goes like this, doesn't it? Things only get worse before they get better. And for Adam and Eve, this was certainly the case with them. And verses 14 and 20 depicts the results of what they did. They had the befores and the after and the mistakes. And now they were walking. They were walking in the results of what had happened. And there in Genesis 3, we read that the snake is confined to his belly. He crawls along. He's crawling along on his belly and he is cursed. That's what God says to the snake who the devil had, had uh, captured. The woman is warned of her births, pain and labor would surround her as she brings new life into the world. And how that is true, even in 2021. The man is told about his brows. So we've got belly births and brows. Brows by the sweat of your brow. Belly births and brows by the sweat of your brows. You will produce food. And you will return to dust for from dust you was created and you will return to dust. And in Genesis 3, we see this huge, huge alteration in the life of Adam and Eve. Because of their mistakes and their disobedience, they try to cover up by clothing themselves, which resulted in them being removed from the garden. And the Bible says the conclusion of their misery was a cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life after being driven out of the garden. So there we have it. We've got the befores. We've got the afters. And we've got the mistakes of life. How we can relate to that and then we've got the results the result of that they were driven out driven out of the garden the place paradise the place of peace the place of plenty they were being driven out and uh, at this awful moment as this awful moment happened to adam and eve so as human beings it happens to us our errors our mistakes our failures cripple us the best of us we see what's happening in america at the moment and we see the terrible confusion that is happening there and just like our forefathers we try to cover up we try to hide we try to disguise things and we try to make all manner of excuses about life leaving us i suggest to you today in a rather depressing dismal state a hopeless state 
a state of anxiety, a state of despair, a state of anxiousness. What is the answer? Where do we turn when faced with the true realities and circumstances of life? Is there any hope in our misery and continual failure, our inability to do right? Is there a way to tap into the necessary power to direct our lives in the right direction and rectify all the pitfalls of life? Well, the simple answer the Bible tells us, which you be may, may be surprised to know, is that there isn't. By our own strength and ability, we will always fail. We may try, but all our attempts in the long run will prove to be futile. The, the Bible tells us that Eve looked and she saw that apple or tree or whatever it was and that fruit. And we see there the lust of the eyes. It's never enough, is it? The lust of the eyes are never enough. The desire, the wanting of things. And by our own help, we will never succeed. They are to vacate the garden. And they refuse entry back in. They were thrown out. They were chucked out of the garden. And uh, as we reach this point, it, it behoves us to think of the plight of humanity. And even in our so-called sophisticated advanced world, have we advanced? Oh, as, as mankind make, still making the same mistakes as our ancestors did? And the answer to the question, of course, is, is they are. We are still in the same place. And as we come to this point now in our deliberation thought of Genesis 3, we need to turn back to that Genesis 3 account and look at verse number 15, because I think this will help us. And this is what it says. God now, he pronounces the judgment on the snake, on the woman, and on the, the, the man. There was the belly, there was the births, and there was the brow of his, of his head. He would be toiling all his life. And we come to the judgment of the snake in verse number 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Something is going to happen to crush the snake's head. <clears throat> there seems to be a future battle that will be fought and won by the Lord God. Isn't that exciting? There's something going to happen that will rectify things, that will put things right, that will create a new system, would create a new world, would, be, would create new people. Isn't that lovely? Something is going to happen to crush the snake's head. There seems to be a future battle that will be fought and won conclusively by the Lord God. 
Listen to what the book of Romans says in the New Testament. We've got to turn to the New Testament. We read in chapter 3, in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, Romans 16, verse 20, says the God of peace. The God of peace. Remember the peace in the garden. The God of peace. He's a God of peace. Will soon crush Satan under your feet. What a wonderful verse. Hebrews 2 verse 14. Since the children are flesh and blood, that's Adam and Eve at flesh and blood. You and I have got flesh and blood. Jesus too shared in their humanity. We've just rejoiced at Christmas time, haven't we? Coming into the world of the Messiah, the baby, the incarnation of Jesus into the world. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 Jesus too shared in their humanity so that by his death he came into the world. But why did he come? He came to die. He might bring the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. That he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. There's this coming into the world of a redeemer, of a saviour. Now we'll get back to Adam and Eve for a while and back to ourselves. We can't turn or alter our past, can we? And delete our errors. Easy on the computers, on our smartphones, delete, isn't it? Very often you have a text and you say, this is deleted. But we can't delete things from our lives. They are there. But we can turn to the New Testament and look forward and see a promise that is going to change everything. Jesus, Jesus came to rescue and make us complete again. He came to bring us back to a position where we can be attached to him. Jesus came to rescue us and make us complete. Do you want to be complete as individuals? Sometimes we don't feel complete, don't we? We feel as though there's this fighting going on all the time. Perhaps we want to do good, but we find ourselves we can't do good. And what's happening? Well, Jesus can make us complete. He can make us strong. He can make us focused on doing that which is that makes him great in our lives. And maybe now, as you listen to me, we are despondently looking down at our shoes at this moment and feel discouraged with the whole business of life. But let's raise Let's raise our heads up because our situation can be dramatically altered and changed. Looking to Jesus Christ enables our lives to be complete again because of an amazing historical fact. Matthew chapter 1 verse 23, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call in Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. What a wonderful thing that is. Why did Jesus came? Why was Jesus 
brought into this world at, 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 at Bethlehem. Well, the, the prophet, the scriptures tells us that he came to be with us. And what happens when Jesus is with us? What happens when Jesus enters into our lives? What takes place? He forgives us. He rescues us. He restores us. He cleans us. He saves us. He renews us. He reverses our situation from one of being thrown out to being brought in. Adam and Eve were driven out of the garden of Eden because of their disobedience. But because of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross of Calvary, we are invited into a relationship with him that will change, that will revolutionize our entire lives. It will put us on a new focus, on a new pathway. We will be following that small road that leads to heaven. Listen to what the New Testament has to say about the now situation of our lives. What, what is happening? 1 Corinthians 15 verse 22 says, For as in Adam all die. <laughs> and the, the, the simple question uh, today is, uh, who are we in? Who are we in? As in Adam all die. Are we in Adam? So in Christ will all be made alive. For as in, as in Adam all die. Are we dead individuals in Adam? So in Christ will all be made alive. Listen, whoever's listening, don't stay all alone in the garden of shame and regret and confusion. No matter how you might try to right the wrongs and experiences of your life, they will only end in frustration and, and lostness. The only way to rectify these crazy lives of ours is to be complete in Jesus Christ. Our lives are full of the befores and afters, bringing regrets and failures, leaving us with no hope in this life or eternity. But Jesus Christ speaks to our despair and says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He whispers to us and says, I went to Calvary for you. I've beaten Satan at the cross and paid the penalty for all your failures and mistakes. Be attached to me. I am the true vine, all your nourishment, all you need. And all that you will ever need is found in me. I love you so much. Your life can be made complete through my finished work. I know what's best for you. I will never, ever let you down. We recalled at the start of our discussion today the quotation of C.S. Lewis. I'll repeat it again. Every day we are becoming a creature of splendid glory or one of unthinkable horror. 
Are we in Adam? Or are we in Christ? They say, the experts say, you know, there are three circles in life. There is the first circle is the the big circle of the world, isn't it? All that happens in our world, all the stuff that's going on in the world today, all this pandemic that we're experiencing, which is on the television every day, isn't it? And there's this big circle of the world that we're all involved with, everybody, lands and people in America, people abroad. That's the big circle. And then there's the inner circle. The inner circle, of course, is our family, our loved ones. In the big circle, of course, the church, the experts say, in the big circle is the church and our Christian experience. Then there's the inner circle of our families. And then there is the core little circle of your own personal, private, individual lives. Our seat of emotions, our hearts. Jesus talked a lot about the heart, didn't he? Individuals and hearts were so important to Jesus. Remember, he said to the people, you honor me with your mouth, but your heart is far from me. Where is our hearts? And on the cross, Jesus died for our hearts. There's that wonderful picture, isn't it, of the Lord knocking on the door, reminding us of that verse in Revelation. I stand at the door and knock. And whoever opens the door, I will come in and I'd eat with him and help him and bless him. I will come into him. We can know something of the mysterious joy and wonder of the presence of Jesus Christ himself. Oh, how wonderful that is. Are we in Adam or are we in Christ? Will we say simply, humbly, individually, from our hearts, come to my heart, Lord Jesus. Come in today. Come in to stay. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. May we do simply that. Whoever's watching, may we turn to him now and invite him in. Remember his simple promise, him that cometh unto me. I will in no wise turn away. Oh, he's a great saviour. He's a great God. Welcome him into your life. God bless you and see you again sometime. We're going to sing that lovely hymn now. And um, may it be uh, a blessing to you. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. God bless.